You're listening to Vince Tracy and Neil Coble. It's Europe Calling. What's in the news this week, especially from the UK and from Spain? Europe Calling. So, a very good day. Welcome, everybody. Europe calling with Neil and Vince on the 26th of the 4th. In fact, we'll even amend that to the 25th of the 4th. I'm working a day ahead of myself. Uh, Let me just tell you, the weather is gorgeous. Uh, The flowers look really nice in the garden. The mountain, clear definition. But there's a bit of heat about. Let's find out how Neil is. Good morning, Neil. Morning, Vince. Whoa, beautiful. I walked in this morning. I went out quarter to ten. It It was 25 degrees in the shade as I set off. Lovely walk all the way around, four kilometres, came back in, and absolutely not a not a cloud in the sky, nothing. We're just getting a touch of a breeze now. I wish they'd have had it at 10 o'clock this morning when I was sweating. I was sweating <laughs> cobs. <laughs> OK, well, um, we'll be talking uh, royalty to start with. So here we go. Here's the first one. Okay, so the Operation Golden Orb Committee. Uh, that's the, the the committee which is in charge of planning the coronation, estimates the event could cost around $100 million. Uh, despite Charles having a smaller guest list of around 2,000 people. In 1953, Britain was recovering from paying off costs for the Second World War, with food rationing still in place. Yet Winston Churchill's government spent £1.5 million on the Queen's coronation. In today's money, um, that would be, uh, let's see, King Charles twice about twice as much now. That because of things like security weren't such a big issue back then. However, they're saying that worldwide TV rights will more than cover the cost and it will be a massive boost to tourism. Hotels are already being booked out for the coronation weekend. Um, So who pays for the coronation? Uh, Because it is a state event, Charles's coronation will be paid for by the government using taxpayers' money. So the cabinet officer, Minister Oliver Dowden, never heard of him, previously said that the king and the government are mindful of ensuring that there is value for the taxpayer. He said it's always been the case that the government have paid for coronations. The reason for doing so is that the sovereign is our head of state and it's important that we mark that properly. It's right that we celebrate this moment in the life of our nation and to do so in an appropriate fashion and in a way that the nation can come together in celebrating. These are moments in the life of our nation. Uh, They bring joy to millions of people. They also mark us out as a nation around the world. Is he right, do you think? I think he is, yeah. But if if it's more than paid for by the television rights and this, that and the other, well, who gets that? 
Well, you're right. Uh, that's the the sort of question that immediately came into my head. Um, we've got Taunton, my house, uh, saying uh, he's just inherited uh, assets of around two billion. Plus, he was exempted of from paying the inheritance tax. Why should the taxpayer pay for this? Why doesn't he cover his own coronation? And more importantly, why does the British public put up with this? I think that particular comment's not a bad one either. Yeah, I mean, if you're getting, you know, two, three, four, five billion for, you know, show it all around the world, well, it just comes out of that. And anything that's left over, go back in government or whatever. Charlie doesn't need any money, does he? Must be neck. Hang on, if he's, if he's down to damp, well, we're struggling. Yeah, well, another one, Not A Woke Flake, says um, the TV, selling the TV broadcast rights around the world ought to more than cover the cost, even with the extra security factored in. The tourists may not come here just because of the royal family, but nobody beats us when it comes to the pageantry of these types of events, and that is a draw. Add in all the VAT, buy souvenir sales, etc. And I think the country ought to make a tidy profit until the government spends it on their next her-brained scheme. Now, I think that's a bit of sense as well, isn't it? Well, yeah, I mean, all of that they get in and this, that and the other. And people, you know, coming from overseas, they want to have a quick gander at it and have a holiday while they're here and while they're over in the UK. It's a lot of nonsense this, that, you know, we've got to keep paying for this, that and the other. We're not, we're not paying for it at all. As they say, all the VAT will come in and everything else, you know, and television rights, you know. Listen, it's it's a state thing. It's fantastic. You know, I mean, it's waited, it's waited long enough, hasn't it, really? You know what I mean? Well... And, uh, but, but do, would I you? Think ag- it, I think it should go ahead, televise it all over the world. Let people come and you know and enjoy the day. We'll have another street party. It took us long enough to get another one. Well, and wh- uh, and, and everybody will enjoy the day. But well, you're going to get people, that are, you know, anti royals and this, that, and the other. And well, why should government pay? Well, why why should I pay for people that don't earn any? You know, who don't pay any tax? Why should I pay all these benefits? So you know. It's, you can go on, you know, to your blue face about it. Uh, what I would say as just another point of view is the money that uh, any king, queen or whatever gets from the state is our money anyway. So it's not as though it's their money to start with. Now, if he's just had two great dollops from his parents dying, wouldn't it have been a really great opportunity to uh, make a statement about him wanting to be near the people by paying for it out of that? Well, if you'd have said that, right, then people would be saying, well, is he entitled to sell the rights to the television broadcasting company and draw it back that way? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. There's arguments for, for every side of your own. But, you know, as I say, if you get these anti-royals, they'll, they'll be throwing in bucketfuls of figures at you and this, that and the other. But listen, let's just enjoy, get get on with it. Enjoy the day. Let's have the street party. Get our St George's hats on and God knows what. Marvellous. And have a good, nice drink. Yeah, well, I've got to say, I'm not anti-royal, but I'm not pro-royal. So, you know, I, I think at the moment there's nothing better. 
So when they find something better, maybe I'll think again. But um, okay, well. Uh, yeah, look, hang on. The, the other one, you know, uh, I'm not a, a big Charles fan or whatever. But he, I mean, we spoke about it in marrying her. Yeah. Camilla, right? I mean, I love the Queen's a bit, so I thought she was fantastic. You yeah. know, giving her life up like that, and and, and wherever she went, they were they were making millions out of her. You know, so you know, I'm not a, a big you know big fan of Charles, yeah. but. Is going to be king. So, this is a thing for for all UK. For, have a nice day out and a, and a good party. We've not had one for years. Okay. So get together and have a mooch and a drink and have a great day. Yeah. Okay. Um, well, look, I know you, Neil. You'll have a great day no matter what. Whether it's coronation or not, I'll be having a great day on the Saturday. <laughs> okay. Here's the next one. This is a weird one, actually. Uh, So yesterday, you might have seen this. Police officers were seen jogging alongside Rishi Sunak's motorcade. Um, uh, Apparently, the footage was him returning to Downing Street over the weekend. In scenes compared to the security detail afforded to the North Korean leader Kim Jong-un, Officers ran on foot ahead of police motorbike outriders. Um, Footage posted online showed them jogging in front of our four blacked out Range Rovers and a people carrier. This was then followed by a Metropolitan Police vehicle and more jogging officers. And if the scene wasn't bizarre enough, police on bicycles were spotted at the very front of the unusual convoy. One policewoman was filmed confirming it was the Prime Minister after being asked by an onlooker who was being escorted down Whitehall. And another officer riding a bike was shown pushing a man out of the way of the oncoming motorcade. Now, the problem is, really, you don't know for sure with these things these days. It could all be artificial uh, intelligence. It could be anything, really. But uh, if it's taken at face value, uh, what on earth do you think might have been going on there? Well, <laughs> so we're King John who uh, uh, speaking to Richie Sunak. Were he over in country? Not that I was aware of. No, that's what I'm. I don't get it. But I just hang on a minute. So we've got outriders. We've got five Range Rovers. We've got a people carrier. It'd have been no matter if we'd have gone out at back door or Downing Street, got in a Fiat 500, and nobody would have known. Once they start seeing all this, everybody's there, aren't they? Could be anybody, and it's, it's you know, it, I don't, I don't get all this, you know, and, and running in front and then bicycles as well, you know what? What's all that about? <laughs> you know? Well, it certainly was bizarre, and it's something that uh, I've got to say. Uh, it didn't strike me as being the prime minister, but um, maybe I've missed something. Huh? It's like. How the hell does that work? Yeah. You know that you've got you've got cyclists, weird. You've got three joggers, five outriders, five Range Rovers, a people carrier for two people. <laughs> Put them in back of a Fiat 500, go out at back door, and nobody will know who they are. Yeah. You know what I mean? Well, they, but... make, they make a great thing. Who are about it? It's Prime Minister, right? Okay, yeah, just going a. a a Range Rover with some special cops outside of you. 
I'll keep an eye on that one. We'll see if that comes up as false because I, I, I've got to yeah, say, I, strikes me I as can't being weird. King John Home coming, you know. No. Coming over here. Okay, here's the next one. The number you have reached has been disconnected. Okay, now this one was a strange one. I did see this. And it was somebody on YouTube. And what they've done uh, has sparked outrage. This is putting a video on. Uh, this guy offers a homeless person a burger before eating it in front of him and walking off. Uh, this video appears to show uh, this very small-time content creator. It's a fellow called... No, I won't give you his name. We'll be giving him more publicity. He, he asks a homeless man if he wants a meal before buying it at a Wendy's. I don't know whether that's in the States. It probably is, actually. But anyway, uh, then he goes back outside to eat it in front of the man. And uh, it's obviously now been deleted, which you'd expect, but versions have been seen all around the internet and people are slamming him as heartless, cruel and sick. If that is what uh, I did see, um, you know, somebody offering somebody who needs food to eat and then doing that in front of them, well, not much of a man for me, that. He wants to slap around here, old, doesn't he? You know. Yeah. That's how it get treated a few years ago, you know, before you can't do anything. But, uh, you know, but what, what kind of an idiot wants, you know, ask somebody, are they, you know, are they hungry? Do you want a burger? You know, and then eat it in front of him. Yeah. I mean, it, the, the, the homeless... Are you still? Yeah, sorry, you just went blank for a minute. Um, right. Yeah, I mean, basically, uh, I always feel a bit sad for these people on the street, even if sometimes your own sort of gut feeling is telling you that they probably maybe are not as genuine as they would want you to think. Um, I mean, who'd want to live on the streets? You've got to have a, you could have a problem, I think, to want to do that, haven't you? Yeah, I mean. I mean, this is a problem with families and, and, and whatever, you know, you get thrown out or, you know, you hit rock bottom, is it drugs, is it drink, you know. We've seen them here in Benidorm, haven't we, every day. Yeah. But then we've also seen some of them women sit there all day and people are putting, you know, coins in and this, that and the other, and then next minute they drive off in a big Mercedes. Yeah. You know, hang on a minute. <laughs> That's not a bad job then, is it? Well, I, I mean, this obviously was set up to get people talking and get people cross because, um, you know, no matter uh, whatever is going on, somebody who hasn't got food, you shouldn't mock them. And certainly the very least you should be doing is, um, you know, not eating something in front of them and making them feel even worse. So, um, yeah, I think we both agree on that one. Not much of a go yeah. not much of a man. OK. Yeah. Here's the next so, one. Here's the next one.
So I must be getting into the spirit of this coronation. It's not uh, It's not going to be my biggest event of the weekend, even though it will be on TV, no doubt. But what has been a British tradition is what I'm reading, and this is since the reign of Charles II. Now, this was a Punch and Judy show to mark the coronation of this uh, King Charles III now. It's all been cancelled. And the reason being that Snowflake Parish councillors decided it was inappropriate. So the guy uh, who's the, they they say punch man, it's actually the punch and Judy guy, isn't it? You know, if you're going to describe him, is Paul Douglas, 72, was booked months ago to perform at a coronation gala on May the 6th. Uh, But he has now been dropped from the event in the Lincolnshire village of Saltfleet after objections from the parish council. So, um, let's go to uh, two comments. The first one, this decision is absolute madness. Any parish council should carry out the wishes of their residents and not force their choices on the people that vote for them. I wouldn't mind betting this council didn't ask their residents first uh, if they thought it was inappropriate to, to watch the splendid Punch and Judy show. So that's one comment. And the other one came from uh, somebody in Granada. So somebody from Spain um, saying, I wonder whether the people who have concerns that the violence meted out by Mr. Punch and the other characters is not appropriate for children. Wonder if wonder if they've ever seen one of the extremely violent video games that seem to be freely available to children these days or even one of the very violent films deemed suitable for children. I think that's that's absolutely right, isn't it? Exactly. I mean, no, no these, these guys, that, that kiddies, you know, and, and we're calling them kiddies, can get hold of. There's stabbings, there's shootings, there's bombings, there's blowing up people and God knows what. Punch and Judy's been going for hundreds of years. We all went to the beach and watched it. Do me an absolute favour. Is the whole is that, is the whole UK turning into complete and utter snowflake walks or what? Well, I think oh. they I think they are. I think the problem is I think that um, look, the idiots have obviously taken over the asylum. There's there's no doubt Get in it. my mind. Get it. I think uh, if you look at the uh, bloomin' ridiculous things that I don't know. I mean, you know, we read this. I think it's meant to annoy us, but uh, certainly it's potty. And if you've got a Punch and Judy show and you can't can't even look at it, well, I mean, uh, what are they doing? Is it because basically it's not um, the right racial mix like you're getting in the adverts or something like that? Well, yeah, yeah. But, uh, I mean, the puppets, you know, it's not like this people going around cracking other people like Edward. With a stick and God knows what. And uh, him that uh, used to be, it's only a puppet, Brian, uh, whatever he was called. Conley. Yeah, Brian Conley. Yeah. Yeah, you're right, Brian Conley, wasn't it? Conley, that's right. It's only a puppet. I wonder. I wonder what they'd make of the f- uh, the fires that we have here because um, the Spanish go to town and they really castigate all the uh, local councillors and uh, people on the telly and the king and all that sort of stuff. Um, you know, they really do. Uh, they, they come out with these really wonderful um, uh, effigies, which then they burn on the last night of the fires. 
But I mean, yeah. re- really, it's all about having to go at politicians, isn't it? Yeah, but can you? Which is it's, it's funny, you know. It's sick in the mick, you yeah. know, and having a go at them, right? Well, if you can't stand that, then you know you can't stand the east and get out of the kitchen. But they they're fantastic, and they're only puppet type things, aren't they? You yeah. know, they're about twenty foot high, aren't they? Twenty thirty foot high. Yeah. And they spent they spent months doing them. And they, they parade him through town and this and the other because they put a face on a somebody or king or whoever. It's it's all a bit of fun and having a good time. But, but all these wokes and, you know, all these lot, they, they just don't want anybody to be happy or enjoy themselves. Something's... You know, that, that's the idea with me. I, do, I just don't get them. Well, something's got to be behind it. Something's got to be sort of orchestrating this because, yeah, I mean, you couldn't write how stupid it's gone, could you? Um no. All right, Neil, here comes the next one then. So, where will we go? Uh, We'll go to this one. Today's special is Memphis Soul Stew. We sell so much of this, people wonder what we put in it. We're going to tell you right now. Give me about a half a teacup of bass. Okay, now I've just been looking at the uh, paper, the the Mail Online this morning, and you've got um, one of these protests kicking off, uh, Just Stop Oil, and you've got this lorry driver who snatches the banner from them. And so who do the police have a go at? Not the people sitting in the road creating the problem. They're having a go at this driver now who's taken the banner and, you know, who sort of tell them to get get on with their lives. Um, and I spotted this before it started. As the group begins four days of protests across London on Friday, uh, this was going to be called the big one, Gail Bradbrook was also caught at a Waitrose in Stroud. This is Gloucestershire. So this is one of the organisers and she's driving a 1.5 litre diesel Citroen car and she set up XR with a, uh, this is one of these protest groups, uh, with a former boyfriend in 2018. Uh, she was being pictured grabbing Vietnamese tea, Chilean grapes, items from Spain, Cyprus and Italy. So she's going around the supermarket all, you know, getting all this wonderful stuff from around the globe. She is a hypocrite, hypocrite. Hypocrite. Um, She's a hypocrite and we are all hypocrites. We have no choice and buy what we can afford, but insisted it did not damage their cause. Gail is a working mother. She doesn't earn a lot of money and she has her family to feed. The majority of our food comes from abroad. It's not easy to escape that, especially for someone who has children and doesn't have much money, she says. Um, Let's talk in a general sense about these... um, uh, the, you know, the Stop Oil and XR and all these other protest groups. I don't know about you. They're getting right on my nerves now. I don't know about you. They have been for, for yonks with me. Yeah. They really do get on. So the police go and get hold of the lorry driver. No, they're stopping me from working. So you should be throwing them off the road or wherever. They, they, they've got the banner in front of these wagons and whatever. And she she's getting there and so are all the others. They'll be getting there in the diesel cars or some of them might have big Range Rovers and God knows what, and they want to stop oil. And they want to stop all the, the wagons coming from Spain and wherever we get everything else from, you know. Uh, but 
you know, I'm, you can't have a double-sided, you know, a double-sided coin here. You know, you can't say stop oil and then turn up in a, you know, in a diesel car. You know, and she's saying, oh, well, I, I can't afford one of them. Well, you're not going to be afford anything when the, when the, if the, if the, which I don't think it'll work anyway because there's no infrastructure. But if everybody goes electric, lady, how are you going to get your electric for one? And for the other one, you know, nobody can afford these, these electric cars. The thought crosses my mind, if you've got these groups and they're out again causing problems, uh, the police aren't doing anything, and if you've got these illegal immigrants and the police aren't doing anything, uh, where you hear a lot of flack about um, Rwanda and virtual, uh, you know, uh, solution of the problem by flying them all to Rwanda, but nothing is happening, it does make me think the government's involved in this somewhere they 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 you would not allow the police to let you and i and other peaceful protesters go ahead so why are they allowing this exactly i'm with you all the way on that you couldn't you couldn't do that here you wouldn't have opinella doing it here you know standing in front of wagons and if we if we're doing some of that, like oh, oh, let's say we're just dropping a piece of paper on floor, then some other Hitler comes and gives you an on-the-spot fine and this that, and the other, right? But yeah, they can stop people from working, you know, protesting about stuff that they, they, they're trying to get rid of, but they don't realise they'll still have to, they'll still need it anyway, and and the police are doing absolutely nothing. The government should stop keep. Listening to these, the, all these lawyers that, that these lot get, the boat people, send them to Rwanda and let's fight the case when they're in Rwanda, in Rwanda. You know, what I find, them, get rid of them and let them fight the way back and show us that they've got papers the same as we have to have papers if we want it back to your family in the UK. What I find very difficult is that the uh, the Tories decided to call themselves the Law and Order Party. And you've, yeah. you've got two of the biggest things that are stopping law and order. One is the immigrants coming in illegally. I mean, nobody would turn a hair if they were all coming in legally. But, you yeah, know... You migrants, yes, we've helped migrants for donkey's years. But these are illegal. So if you've got them and then you've got these other... Um, they all seem rather the great unwashed... Greenham common in the past type people, don't they? Yeah. And, yeah. you know, if they're sitting down, stopping the traffic going by or doing other things like, you know, climbing up the gantries and stopping and making that dangerous or going into the, um, you know, into the museums and ruining the artefacts and things like that. Now, if you and I got together and started doing that with some older people, uh, even if we were older, we'd all be thrown in jail, wouldn't we? Exactly. They should be made to pay for every bit of damage or every uh, wagon driver that, 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 or the load that, that gets ruined or whatever. They should be made to pay. Put them in prison, and then when they come out, you start taking it out of the wages. The same as when they were throwing all that lot over these, these paintings and God knows what in museums and that. No, we're too soft on all this lot. We need to start stamping down a bit. 
Well, we say this time and time again, we've done this for a long, long time, these podcasts now, and what I can't really get my head around is you and I can see it, you and I can uh, see quite clearly how they could stop it, and yet the police don't do that, they don't seem to do anything, and if that's the case, and you've got then the contrast of a stack of police all running down the mall with a couple of cars and making it like a an American motor motorcade style thing um, then obviously the police must be in collusion with the politicians and somebody has got to be driving the whole thing because this just doesn't make sense it's not the it's not the way britain used to behave is it exactly the other thing is why are they why are these stop oil not diving in front of richie sunak and king jung whom him whatever he's called while they're running down mouth why are they not doing that? Why don't they? Because there's more, there's more oil in them cars than there is in any other car. So if you want to make the protest, make it right at the top. And as you say, I'm sure politicians are telling police, well, we, you know, don't be too heavy-handed and this, that and the other. I mean, remember, minor strike, they were coming in with horses and buttons and God knows what. You know, yeah. because somebody was on strike. I mean... Right? I, I, so now we've done the, the entire opposite. You can, you, you can come and protest, do what you want. Nobody, nobody will arrest you or, you know, have a go at you. So, yeah. what's it all coming to? Okay. All right, well, the next one coming up then. Let's see where we're going with this one. Here we go. Okay, now uh, there's all sorts appearing in the Spanish uh, English versions of the papers uh, and obviously in the UK papers as well. And this is about a, a, this youth wrestler and he is from Illinois. Um, I won't give the name because I'm not going to give him any publicity, uh, but it's not, uh, shall we say, an Anglo-Saxon name. Okay, so we'll keep it like that. Um so he recently punched his opponent following the conclusion of the wrestling match. Uh, and I um, basically saw this and obviously it just turns your stomach when you see it because basically they've had this wrestling um, match. He's now uh, not been declared the winner. And according to the Oak Park Police Department, he's a 14-year-old eighth grader Um he admitted to officers he punched his opponent because he was angry that he had lost the match. And it was recently reported that the parents of Cooper Corder, who was a young man who was on the receiving end of the punch, had decided to press charges following the incident. Uh, now, you know when you see these sucker punches where somebody's looking the other way and yeah. uh, somebody comes round uh, on the blind side and swings a really vicious punch into the face. It's one of those, Neil. And I don't know about you, uh, that's another thing that's sickening me at the moment when you see a lot of people beginning to use this sort of tactic. Cheap shop merchants. They won't stand face to face with you. They just come from behind you, bang. And uh, there's a lot of people ended up with life-changing thing is people have died through it and this and the other. And I don't blame him that's been hit 
making sure they take into court and everything and getting punished, he should be punished because it's just absolutely awful. Cheap shop merchants, I hate them. I think uh, for me, uh, this is extreme, but the way I would look at it is uh, by all means uh, go through the courts and get a punishment in your pocket. But also I'd have some sort of a contraption where the guy has to stand and take the same punch that the other fellas had. Because quite frankly, I don't think they, they learn otherwise. You know, I mean, that is just a horrible... Um, I mean, we used to talk about a fair fight. I mean, I remember when I'd be about 11 um, being pulled up by a Bobby. We were having a scrap on a piece of wasteland, you know. Um, Bob, Bobby comes along, um, just tells us to, to stop messing about and, um, you know, breaks the fight up. But, I mean, it was a fair fight in those days, wasn't it? Yeah. It was one-on-one and whoever won and whoever lost, next minute, you know, playing football together. You know, and they're the same when you were in the pub with two people had argument, they just go on car park, dump hell out of each other, come back in and have a pint each. You know, yeah. now it's like cheap shot merchants, people getting stabbed, people getting shot, you know. That's yeah, oh. horrible. Yes. I've got another one fairly similar, so let me just um, get the papers ready as we look at this one. <laughs> This one is uh, somebody who has described herself as violent and cruel, purports to be a martial arts champion and said she'd signed up to the organisation amid a row over whether or not it should allow transgender members. She posted on social media, I'm saying she only because it's written as she, but I don't know, um, uh, a screenshot of the WI website thanking her for a one-off purchase of WI supporters plus membership and added the caption, Fantastic news, now a Women's Institute member. But other Twitter users highlighted her recent warnings that she had drawn up a list of dozens of critics of gender ideology to help friends who wanted to murder them. Although last night she claimed the messages had not been meant seriously, Family law barrister Sarah Fillimore said women have a right to single-sex spaces, adding whether it's an empty threat or not is irrelevant. Uh, so I remember seeing also in the picture uh, one of the papers and a video of two women with very, very bloodied faces and they had been in a mixed martial art fight with could even be this person, but with somebody who was transgender. Now, for me, I would argue categorically that you cannot have a male coming and changing into a female and uh, entering into the mixed martial arts. I'm afraid if you want to do it the other way around, it doesn't make sense, but so be it. But, but a male... Um, coming down and changing to become a woman so he can win his fights and beat up women is, I'm afraid, it's a disaster waiting to happen, isn't it? Uh, on all sports? Yes. On, on everything? Yeah. How, how can you have a, a man who, because he's wearing a frock, right, so he's a cross-dresser or a transvestite or whatever, start walking into women's toilets? 
or going into wrestling or going into, you know, men's and women's sports now are splitting, you know, and they have their own. So unless they get their own league and their own, you know, uh, Olympic Games or European Games or whatever, all these transgender, and they all agree with it, well, get on with it. Don't come marvelling us for, you know, for, for back it up and, you know, and want to watch it. I don't want to see a man taking on a woman, whether it be wrestling, whether it be any of it. You know, it just doesn't work out. No. I mean, really, it's somebody who uh, can't cut the mustard against the men. So well, exactly. Otherwise, it'd be, it'd be already up there, wouldn't it? Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, I'm afraid for me, I'd, I'd ban him straight away. I wouldn't allow it. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I, I saw these two girls, and now and again you do see girls who look very aggressive, they fight very aggressively, and maybe there'll be a couple that can take the punishment, uh, but there'll be an awful lot that it's totally inappropriate. And, um, I mean, I, I know... I like martial arts, I like the mixed martial arts, but there are other people that don't like it, and I'm saying on their behalf, it's not, not something that I think the general public want to see that much, do you? No, if you're having mixed martial arts, it's a form of defence. It's not going out, you know, battering people. It's how you can defend yourself, and men can teach women, and women can teach some men as well. You know, but that, that's, that's the main thing of martial arts, isn't it? Yeah. You know, to defend yourself. Yeah. Okay, um, let's go to our next one then. So we'll go to this. Uh, well, funny enough, I did. I did. What, what it was, um, <coughs> I pulled a hair out of my nose and <laughs> the next minute I'm sneezing. <laughs> Uh, you know, I should have known better because it's not the first time that you've ever done that, is it? You know. <laughs> anyway, um, there's all sorts of things appearing in the Spanish papers, in the English versions, and um, they seem to be picking up on things in, in America now. I don't know whether or not this is becoming a trend or just happened over the last few weeks and uh, will be dropped again. But there's sh- shocking footage, it calls it, captured... The moment students at a Washington State middle school screamed in disgust as teachers and school kids participated in a disgusting marshmallow cream licking game. Just having a quick cough again. After the disturbing footage was circulated online, outraged parents have hit out at the middle school with many questioning how the competition was allowed to go ahead. So uh, you've got like a, a window and then on one side the student and the, on the other side the teacher and uh, sort of licking uh, obviously at the same place but with the window in between them. Um, I, I, I really do wonder how these, these people qualify as teachers. I don't know about you. Well, what's the thing for it? So you're stood on, in your glass door, I'm stood on this side, you're stood on that side. Yeah. And we both start licking the window. Well, it's, it? it makes it look like they're, they're licking each other's tongue, doesn't it? Right. So, well, what, what's the outcome? What, what, you know, what, what's it about? 
Well, um, put it this way, it's supposed to be um, shocking footage. To me, it's just a teacher uh, who obviously is totally unprofessional, messing about with students who basically probably think it's a load of fun. I don't know about you. Well, I I, I can't see anything funny in standing standing with a piece of glass between us, licking the windows. I mean, hang on a minute, please. (laughs) What are they supposed to be teaching them? Well, I don't... Is that on curriculum or somewhere in this school? (laughs) That you've got to be able to lick a window for half an hour or something? I don't know. I think the problem is uh, a lot of teachers, what they do... Um, they, they try to curry favour with the students and try to act as daft as the students, which is okay if you want to be like the students. But I think if you're there to teach students, you've got to remember that there will be times that the students can play something like that, but the teachers don't join in. That's my that's my way of looking at it. Exactly, they're there to teach you something so so they could learn something, not learning out like a window. Okay. Please, please Hey, listen. The world has gone mad. You know, the 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 we're we only look at the tip of the iceberg. Don't forget. I think it's us that's gone completely do lally. <laughs> you know, I'm thinking. Hang on a minute. I can't remember any of these when I was a kid. No, you know? I certainly can't. <laughs> All right. Here's the next one. As I say, Neil, all this is in the newspapers. So, you know, I, I'm just pointing out the articles that are either stupid, shouldn't be in there, or not getting uh, any publicity, or sometimes getting over-publicised. And uh, I've got... Uh, this is Laura Didman, 33, and she's admitted stalking. Now, she hired a private detective to track her boss, who she'd fallen in love with. All this is kicking off at the co-op in Crewe. <laughs> uh, her boss didn't reciprocate her feelings and eventually left the co-op to take up a new post with Morrison's uh, to get away from this unwanted admirer. But he subsequently learned she'd been tracking him after she accosted him in the street and admitting hiring a private eye to place the tracker device on his vehicle. Wow. Well, there we are. How about that one? Well, also, the, 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 the private detective should be um, prosecuted as well for putting it onto his car. You know, I mean, th- th- that stalking, you know, whether it be a man on, on a woman or a woman on a man, it, it, I don't think it's funny that, you know, where every time you turn around, there, or they, you, you go to a pub and all of a sudden they turn up in there and then you go shopping and they turn up there, then they're looking through your window, you know, no, no, it, it should be dealt with severely, that. Well, they had it on Coronation Street, didn't they? So, you know, are, are they promoting it from Coronation Street or are they no. reflecting, I suppose? See, they, they, they're putting it in as though, you know, it's just assault. But for people that are being stalked, it's pretty serious, you know. So you, you, you've got to be careful what you keep putting on telly. And as far as, you know, like these stop oil and this, that and the other, and all the other things that are going on, if the news blacked it all out, they'd stop doing it. It's only and like they were, they're throwing that orange stuff on the snooker table and, and all, all the other daft things that they do. 
If they just, well, as soon as he jumps on that table, just turn the cameras off and don't put it in the news. And then there's no point in them doing it because they're not getting the five minutes of fame, are they? Yeah. All of it, you know, it, it just really gets on my nerves, that. Yeah. Just stop putting it on every channel and keep repeating and repeating and repeating the same with um, uh, Grand National. Did it block all that out? Nobody would have been bothered about it anyway. I think, you see, the healthy side of what we're talking about is that we can see where the problem is and roughly how it could be sorted fairly quickly. Now, if our listeners think about it, that's not what's happening. And yet, if we can see it, and I would imagine a number of our listeners can see it, you then beg the question, why are the authorities not doing anything about it? A, are they useless, or B, are they powerless? One or the other, isn't it? Well, you see, when they try and do something, then all the walk brigade dive in, don't they? You know, like you've got tourists trying to send all these illegal immigrants to Rwanda and this, that and the other. Then you've got Sir Keir Starmer and, and the deputy, whatever she's called, I can't remember. Uh, they're all against and they get all these, you know, uh, all these lawyers to help these lawyers. No, as I said, send them back, put them up in Rwanda, let them fill in the forms. And if, if, if they, you know, if they're legal, then that's fine. They can come back. But other than that, you're not going to stop them. The minute they get on, off that boat there, put them in a, a, a coach, put them on the plane, send them to Rwanda. Sorted. I think the other thing for me is why are they giving people so much money to stay in these hotels? I mean, the whole thing... Six million a day. <laughs> Neil... Are they worrying about Prince Charles's thing that's going to get paid for through that and God knows what and this, that and the other and selling trinkets and this. Nobody's making a big hoo out about that. It's six million a day. We could have had, we could have, if it carries on, we can have a coronation every two years with money that, that we're wasting. Yeah. Okay, next one coming up. Here we go with this one. Okay, so a teenage pilot is our next one, and apparently this guy cheated death when he crashed his glider into a mountain. So what's he doing? He's going to sue the sports club for £50,000 after claiming he messed up his GCEs as a result of the accident. So this guy is now 19, his name's Oliver, says he's lucky to be alive after suffering the horrific glider crash at the summit of Crossfell, the highest mountain in the Pennines, <clears throat> when he was just 15. He fell in love with flying when he was only four and first took to the skies at just 13 before suffering his accident in 2019. He claims he was not given proper instructions on how to fly in the difficult air conditions around Crossfell. This is Cumbria's highest peak and had been warned of the risks of fast flying in an area prone to turbulence. The accident would never have happened if he'd had that warning. He, this is what he claims. Now, lawyers for Eden Soaring, which is a volunteer group not making profit. Um, it's a sports club which stopped operating after the smash. Well, they deny liability for the accident in papers filed at the London court. 
Um, his barrister, Catherine Deal, says he was on a trip to Cumbria with his Hampshire-based gliding club um, when he was hurt, despite having nearly 70 year hours of flying time under his belt. He was an unqualified child flyer who had not previously flown in the area. Um, it meant he was totally dependent on Eden soaring for instruction on the local ridge systems and the techniques needed to safely navigate them. He says he was given a 1970-built German S. 5e glider a single-seated wooden aircraft for the flight that day and i'm not too sure what i believe about that one so what do you think so he's been he's been practicing in gliders for years and this that and the other it, it crashes it into a, a mountain right yeah well that's a bit of bad driving anyway isn't it right but no hang on i think we can sue this thing because they've told you they didn't tell you what it's like up there. Well, every time you go up in the sky, I mean, I've had them, you know, when you've hit them air pockets on big planes, you know, they just appear out of nowhere and bang, you've got, you know, 100 feet or something and your stomach's up on ceiling. I mean, this is just, a, you know, money-making. And they're saying, these are non-profitable. Do me a favour, will you? It means that you'll have to pay their, their hours, which will be part of the, the, the deal if you, if you win. What a load of nonsense. Everybody's trying to sue everybody for, for absolutely nothing. He's crashed it. He, he should now pay for the plane as well. Well, I can't really see any club um, letting any 15-year-old kid go up in a glider unless they're totally and utterly satisfied that they were qualified. I can't see it happening. I can well, see... They, they, they normally have somebody with them. Well, they're learning and they go through all the same as they do with these light aircraft. They go up with them and they, they you know, sort them out and this and the other and they have to go through like a driving test, like, you know. So, you know, you can't... He's not just walked off the street and, and said, I'll just uh, I'll just have a go in this and see where I can go. Yes, straight into a mountain. But where's, the, where's his insurance? Yeah. You know, if you drive a car or a motorbike or anything like that, or gliders or aeroplanes, you've got to have, a, you know, a, a licence and you've got to have insurance. So I think there's a little bit of Mickey taken here somewhere. Um, yeah, yeah, they're just trying to get some money out of him. I mean, for, for it to go this far, uh, the lawyers surely must have come across something which either shows you that he, um, you know, didn't receive any instruction whatsoever. But I can't see somebody coming up from Hampshire with a group going all the way up there and not being told that there's a danger. I mean, anybody going up in a glider, I mean, I've got a fair idea that if I... I've been in a glider once or twice, then, you know, I wouldn't want to be a solo in front of a mountain. But if he's been doing it since he was four and he's been yeah. telling them that, you know, I've got all the experience in the world, it does make you wonder, doesn't it? Exactly. Exactly. It's just, a, it's just, a, it's just an effort trying to win a, a big heap of money. That's all they're trying to do. OK. Um, just a couple more. Here's the first of these. Let's see. Yeah, here we go. Oh, 
Okay, so the taxpayers are furious and have blasted the council fat cat who pocketed £607,633 last year as families across Britain struggled to pay bills amid the cost-of-living crisis. So this fellow is called Whiteman, 57-year-old, receives this huge pay package after taking voluntary redundancy from Guildford Borough Council in Surrey, where he had been managing director. It included a termination payment of £154,240, benefits totalling £5,688 and pension contributions of £339,158. I think we see these fairly regularly, don't we? Oh, yes. These leaders of these councils, they were some politicians. <laughs> and that's bad. And that's seriously bad. Well, these these councillors now, when I was working at Chloride, if you went to be a councillor and, and you, you got on to be a councillor, the, the only thing you could you, you could claim was that your firm would pay for the the couple of hours that you went to the meetings, you know. Your, your firm would pay so that you know that that were part of the deal of being a councillor. Yeah. Now they claim more in expenses, and half of them only only sitting down all doing absolutely nothing, shoving papers around and all this lot. And now leader of them, <laughs> three hundred and fifty thousand in, in pension pot, and hundred and fifty thousand because he's. Taking early retirement and doing please. Okay. It's just working down from politicians now to councillors. What's it going to be next? I'm going to give you a nice, uh, a nice one to chuckle at. Here we go. So using phrases like "pig out" is no longer acceptable. Uh, The reason is it makes obese people feel like animals. Uh, These are the new guidelines. Talking about a war on obesity makes overweight people feel like the enemy and they should be referred to as individuals with higher weight. This is the British Dietetic Association. In the latest attempts to address stigmatising language, the dietitians have taken aim at dehumanising words for overeating. They caution against the use of phrases like pig out, eating like a horse or wolfing down dinner, which they may claim uh, they may claim that people feel like animals. This is Dr. Adrian Brown from the Centre of Obesity Research at University College London, who helped to draw up the guidelines, has even expressed concerns about terms like chubby and mildly obese as health professionals dietitians should never use language that anyone might deem offensive but to state that an obese person is an individual with higher weight beggars belief overweight and obese are clear and universally recognized medical descriptions and should be used so these are the new uh, guidelines the the, the serious topic is, of course, that they're trying to get people away from being uh, diabetic. So I don't have a problem with that. But 
I mean, come on, leave the blooming language alone. Because if I know somebody's stuffing themselves or eating like a pig, I know what we're talking about. You start talking about, um, you know, uh, uh, I don't know, mildly <laughs> overweight or what. I don't know. Where, where are we going with this, Neil? My, uh, uh, do me a favour with this one. Right. If you're fat, you're fat. No ifs, no buts. If you're pigging out, you're pigging out, and it means you're having a good scran or a good meal or whatever. Right? That, that's, it, they never got, they're never going to lose any weight. If you start pussyfooting around them, if they're overweight, morbidly obese, fat, anything, tell them exactly what they are and try and motivate them to start coming to skinny rock. You know, to <laughs> thin people. Well, further you're down... Fat, you're fat. If you're obese, you're obese. Further down, they're having a go at uh, people who, uh, from the character of Monica in Friends, who was the butt of jokes when she was living with obesity, to Daddy Pig in Peppa Pig, who often has Peppa pointing at his belly and making comments about his weight. I mean... Then do something about it. If people are... And, and it's making you feel bad then go and do something about it. Don't start crying and, and say to her, oh, you're not being fair on me. Well, I'm gone. What, what are you then? You know. Well, I don't know if you... You share for Peppa Pig. Go and lose some weight. I don't know if you've noticed this, but there's an advert late. In fact, there's a number of adverts. And they're using a very big girl. Now, uh, there's something different between a girl who's big Possibly heavy boned, but certainly very flexible, especially if they're doing very energetic and uh, gymnastic things. But they're trying to make out that fat people are like that. Well, I'm sorry, it doesn't work that way, does it? Those bigger people who can do those type of things train so that they're able to do them. And often being bigger goes with the territory of training, doesn't it? Exactly. But these these people, these these that are morbidly obese and, and, and you know, just sit there all day doing nothing, only watch bravely watching telly, listening to music or playing games on the consoles and God knows what. Why don't you take your con your little hand thing and, and go and have a walk and just do something because when I when we were in lockdown I put on two and two and a bit stone. When I came out I thought I'm gonna need to do something about this. And I started walking, which I've done ever since we, we got let out. Good. And I'm now back to 12, 12 stone 7. But I could feel it myself, and I'm thinking, I'm, I'm too late here. You can, you can see that your belt's moving notches and God knows what, but now I'm back to my normal weight, my normal notches on my, on my belts and this, that and the other. Unless people are prepared to go and do something, they're going to get fatter and fatter and fatter. Yeah, no, I, I'm. They get diabetes, then they get knee problems, then they get back problems, and then they're just a big waste of money for national health. I'm totally with you. Last Monday, I had a biggish eating day. So I stepped on the scale. I'd uh, put about a, a kilo and a half on. Uh, I, I had it back to normal by Thursday. Just don't eat. Exactly. Exactly, because you don't want to look like that. And don't say that they don't want to look like that. No, what they want to do is eat for four people and still think they'll look as, 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 as small as Twiggy. It doesn't happen. If you keep shoveling in, you're going to be going wider and wider. 
They make me laugh. They're just born idle. Well, they don't want to do anything but claim benefits, sit there eating burgers and God knows what, and playing on the games and watching telly at my expense. Absolutely. And I think the exception proves the rule, doesn't it? You're absolutely exactly. right. OK, Neil, um, that's it. We've put the oh, world right. to rights once again. And... Um, <laughs> I've enjoyed the, I've enjoyed your company. Thanks very much indeed, Neil. Listen, a piece of advice. Don't pull any hairs out of your nose when you broadcast. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> I I yeah. tell you well, something. Yeah, yeah, lovely. No, that that one oof. I mean that really did did uh, get me sneezing. Neil, catch yeah, you next did, week. Yeah, and did the tears come in your eyes? They certainly did. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Cheers, right, Neil. Mate, I'll see you next week. Okay, bye-bye. Bye-bye.